Does everybody know what time it is? According to the calendar, it's time for one of our five marital relations. Oh, God. Well, I can't now because you mentioned calendars, but it's grunt work. Sergeant Wilson taught the podcast to play. They've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise the smile. So may I introduce to you the pod you've known for all these years, Gruntwork, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that's made with 100% real Wagyu beef. I'm your host, Truman the Kimono Man Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon the Kimo Yes Man Solano. Uh, Truman, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I had trepidation when I was writing that about uh-huh. mentioning Wagyu beef because I know you wouldn't be into that, but... Um, That's I, all right. After 20 years of doing this podcast, uh, you uh, know, I, I've learned to live with it. You know, and I mean, after all the heroin that we've done in the process of it and the many the many fights and, and you know, Yoko coming in and... Well, I guess this was pre-Yoko, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Just briefly. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so hey, home improvement, <laughs> grunt work, new year, new Here times. Yes, this uh, is our first episode of 2020. Uh, I know. Both that we were recording and releasing. Yeah, I know. That's, so we, we enter the new decade together. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I, there's no place that I would rather be, and there's no group of fans who I'd rather be entering the, the new decade with. Yes, I agree with that. Um, But before we start this new year together, though, yeah. I have one little bit of housekeeping that Wait I just want to take care of up front you're doing a preamble i know it's it's rare for me but this is a new thing this new decade new me okay all right do you want to also take over some producing we'll we'll, no. we'll, we'll do a vice versa situation i'll start editing you, you start producing and uh social mediaing that would it's interesting because if you started editing i it, like if we switched roles the quality of the editing would get better and the quality of the social media and the website and everything else would just plummet i it would do be, not agree with that you could you could hand the producing duties to a senior citizen or dare i even say it a dead person and they would do a better <laughs> job than me that is not true uh well thank you Landon. what's your preamble my pre- i just i don't know why well, i just i just want to you know, I, I guess I was trying to do a little bit of producing for this year, and I okay. wanted to. I, I had a guest actually lined up for us. Oh wow! Who I'd wanted to have come on, and I actually had slated to have him come on this episode. Yeah. Um, the thing is, um, you know, is this? Well, there's no easy way to say it, but it was Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Oh, he was mm. great guy, huge fan of Home Improvement, a uh, huge fan of our podcast too. He was he was one of the original grunt heads. Uh, but if you've been watching the news, uh, the Trump administration assassinated him with a Predator drone, and um, so he won't be able to join us today. And, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to his family, but I'm also sorry to you guys, basically, because I really wanted to start us off with kind of this, like, I feel like it would have given us a lot of great energy. But, it would have um, taken us international. Yeah, would have taken us international. Yeah, certainly. I think that I would have grabbed a few headlines. I feel like the I feel like Iran is really an untapped market for uh, specifically home improvement related podcasts. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know what? Sometimes things just aren't meant to be, and you yeah. got to roll with the punches in this business. And uh, so I'm just I had to put that out there that that we were tr- I was trying to do that. We were trying to do that, and it didn't happen. But um, you know, I'm I'm in talks with the with some Shiite militias in Iraq. They're also fans. I might be able to get some clarity or something okay. out here uh yeah just don't tell the state department i guess <laughs> i i i won't but here's hoping they don't listen to the show 
I, I feel I feel like they don't. I feel like they I feel like they don't even <laughs> listen to their own like their own intelligence agencies. They're probably not listening to us. I don't know. I've known a few people who've worked in the CIA. Yeah. I can't say their names. I also can't say that they told me they worked in the CIA. So and I'm not saying that they did tell me they worked in the CIA. So so you're saying you knew some people, basically. <laughs> I've known a I, I've met a person. I've met a human or two. No, don't brag about it, Landon. <laughs> Jeez. Always name dropping, always species dropping. <laughs> Here we are. In a room full of strangers? <laughs> we can't talk sing anymore. Um, <laughs> Episode 9. Oh, God. Episode 9. Uh, so I'm trying to remember how we do the show. Is this when we do reflections? Or... <laughs> no, this is... I mean, we're right on task. This is usually where we trip over our ideas and our okay. words and stuff. Okay, good. As we good. try to find the flow of the episode. Yeah, I'm saying if we'd had <laughs> if we'd had General Soleimani on here, we would have been right on track because he's a, he's a big listener. Uh, yeah, so... Um, so, no, but seriously, what do we do at this point in the podcast? Well, uh, we tell people that we watch an episode of Home Improvement every week. Oh, yes. And we do that. Uh, that we did that this week. Yes, we did. And this is an episode that you were you were warning me heavily up front would be bad. I was, because I wasn't, I couldn't remember, but um, I'll, I'll get into that with my personal reflections. First, let me tell you what this uh, episode's about. Mm. Do it, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, this week on Home Improvement, uh, Tim is obsessed over developing new ideas to pitch to an affiliate with the hopes of acquiring a time slot in Chicago. But uh, this has put a cramp in his and Jill's love life, as they haven't had uh, haven't had sexy times oh, in no. over a month. Oh, my God. That's a long time between sexy times. Uh, and I, I did say over a month. I didn't write over a month, and they didn't say over a month. So that was uh, just goes to show how you can change facts just by talking. The, the, the fact checkers are going to come after you, everybody <laughs> I, online. I fact checked myself there. Uh, to help rectify this, they agree to go away on a romantic weekend to an authentic Japanese hotel. Um, I don't know, is that, well, okay, I have questions about that, but, uh, however. <laughs> In the middle of your synopsis. <laughs> uh, Bud decides to schedule an, uh, the affiliate meeting at the same time in the hotel's bar. And Tim is afraid to tell Jill. Yes. That's essentially the episode. Because if Tim has learned one thing in all these years, it's that when there's a schedule conflict, just try and do both things at once and tell a bunch of lies. Always works better. Always works better. Uh, okay, so let me ask you, I'm going to crack that open right crack, now. Crack it. Um, because Frazier does it well, yes. and I'm sure people are, you can hear an audible head slap when we mention <laughs> Frasier anymore, but... Well, now that it's off Netflix and my whole life has fallen <laughs> apart, honestly, why did I open up talking about the, our, our guest who got assassinated? I should have talked about my life getting assassinated, <laughs> but go on. Um, okay, so why does it work on Frasier and not here? I mean, the episode is funny and... You know, I can buy the conceits of all of the the gags and stuff that each scene is constructed around, but the one conceit of not telling Jill this one thing that they even acknowledge by the end of the episode is like, why didn't you just tell me? I'd understand. Is the one suspension of disbelief that I can't uh, I can't give. I, I feel like the it works on Fraser because when this sort of thing happens there, they do a better job of building uh, like they do a better job of doing the homework on why Frasier can't just come clean about it it's always a matter of there are more stakes th there's more there's more stakes wagyu 100% wagyu beef stakes <laughs> uh, uh no, but yeah the, the, I think it's that the stakes are higher and also just that it's not it's not like if it's something that he's keeping from somebody who he's close to there's a more compelling reason for it than, yeah than just oh I've decided not to tell them and usually it's oh it, like usually it's like a social standing thing like oh this this hoity-toity figure is coming over and i have to hide this thing or like right, oh, i have right. this social engagement that can't be moved and like my 
pride and dignity is on the line. Where we're supposed to just assume that Jill is a completely not understanding, not sensitive person that doesn't care about Tim's job or his well-being or anything like that, that Tim is just making those presumptions and that we're supposed to go along with that presumption of Jill through Tim. Yes. That's, and that's very weak. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the Jill who, who is routinely the most understanding of Tim's <laughs> antics as evidenced by their marriage existing <laughs> would not understand that. Oh, I, that, Hey, in this 48 hour period of us, just, just, just boning, constantly i need to take an hour for a business meeting that's really not too much to ask like it's not ideal but yeah yeah okay well before we go into personal reflections i want you to try to guess that title i have three options the first option and i'm gonna say the best so actually no the worst option uh because i want to work up to it five days a week okay Another Beatles reference. Thank you. Okay, Landon Smart. Instead Landon of eight days it. a week, five yes. days a week. There's a there's an un for those of you who have not watched the episode. There's a lot of Beatles, re- like I mean, a, a strange amount of Beatles jokes yes. in this episode and backloaded at the end of it. Uh, second option, business time. Okay. Now there's a flight of the Concords song uh-huh. that sort of makes this a double entendre about both sex but also trying to do business. <laughs> Which is why the joke is funny, Landon. I get it, okay. Truman is a funny guy who came up with a good alternate title. And the best one is Tim Ono. <laughs> Tim Ono! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I really want to say, like, no, okay, that's that's my second best one. My best one is Tim Ono! <laughs> I, I like all of those. Oh, Land, even, well, when I explained them so well, dude. <laughs> exactly, that's yeah. what I like about them. Yeah, um, which one is it? It is the one called Chicago Hope, which isn't which isn't a bad one. <laughs> That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one at all. Are they now? Remind me. Are they? Is the hotel they're at in Chicago? No, it's a Detroit hotel. This is where I got confused about. You know, they're going into this authentic Japanese bedroom, mm-hmm. but it's not an authentic Japanese hotel. I don't think because well, that doesn't exist in america i mean like you're going to an american hotel True. that has authentic japanese things in it yeah i mean that's kind of a i feel like that's you're, you know that's mincing words a little well, bit no, i mean it seems well, like everyone I working there is japanese. i understand but what i guess what i'm getting to is like you know if i'm going to an authentic japanese hotel we're talking architecture because that's such a big part of their culture and and the experience of things sure i'm sure that this just looks like another hilton building probably so uh, probably so there's probably well there maybe there's a japanese garden or something that we didn't we weren't privy to but <laughs> everything about it except for the room just seemed like i mean it just seemed like a hotel <laughs> You know, I would say that the doorway into the karaoke bar in the hotel is a circular doorway like you might yeah. see in a uh, set built to look like Japan in a low-budget show. <laughs> that's, But that's that's yeah. the best I got right. for you. Okay, it's a, it's right. a little... Okay, but okay. The, the I, won't, hotel... I won't cut that up into pieces. Yeah. This is my last resort. Yeah, you're not going to cut this up into pieces. We're not at Benihana. <laughs> um, yeah, so what did you think yeah so to go to what you were alluding to earlier uh when i was just looking at this on imdb before we started the episode i saw a number of things on paper that just made me go tim oh no (laughs) uh and i was really nervous that we were heading into a season three episode yeah you specifically said this might be a season three episode. yeah well because we know how tim has treated the japanese culture in the past yeah and to see that they are heading to a japanese destination with a bunch of (laughs) 
uh, non, well, not all of them, but some non-Japanese actors playing Japanese people where it's just like, okay, this is going to get complicated. I wasn't aware that there were non, that those, those were non-Japanese, but like, you mean there were like Thai or Vietnamese people playing? Yeah, one of them is, uh, Chinese. We'll get into it on Character Actor Corner. Okay, but it's not like, it's not like roger moore taping up his eyes or john wayne <laughs> no it's, it's not it's not like no. white guys playing Japanese and that was sean people. connery by the way sean Con- oh fuck me well okay right <laughs> okay i'm sorry roger moore dressed right. up as a clown so i'll fuck you that's uh that's twice uh, okay. for this episode we gotta do it five times okay okay well all right then then uh i get out the calendar again i suppose <laughs> um so uh, God, uh anyway so you threw me off with that no yeah, yeah. personal reflection so i was worried that that's where we were heading and was pleasantly surprised uh, yeah. where we ended up. They they walked through a minefield of potentially bad <laughs> stuff. Like I think they need they they need we need to call all the writers and fuck it Tim Allen in yeah. here and give them all medals like at the end of Star Wars for not doing a single Godzilla joke. Well, actually, I skipped over this. Uh, so the actual title is Chicago Hope is released on November twenty second, nineteen ninety five, directed by Andy Kadif. All of that is uh, as expected. However. It's written by someone named Teresa O'Neill. Mm. This is her only episode, not only writing Home Improvement, but uh, most of the writers here, they produce their episodes. Sure. They're, you know, this is just one episode that she wrote. She has no other involvement with the show ever again. So just a, a drop in the bucket. Well, well, well That's done. That's not the term I was looking for. <laughs> flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah well, that a also... Flash in the pucket. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> a flash in the pucket, which... <laughs> Also, it was probably a metaphor for the way Tim has sex. I don't know. I mean, if we if we figure out what a fuck it is. So, uh, well, no, but I would say to, to her, to Miss O'Neill, um, really well done. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought this episode was was pretty funny. I, I, I did too. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought that it was actually pretty sweet. Yep. And, um, yeah. Minus the flimsy conceit of not telling Jill, I think it was really well written. Yeah, which at this, you know, which at this point... Uh, you know yeah no I, I, yeah, yeah agreed yeah, agreed yeah. it's a sitcom i know we have to get from point a to point b to c and d yeah but. i was i was hung up on the same on the same thing though we have to, <laughs> and also we have to get from point a to point f if you get what i if what i mean because that's what this whole episode is about what is that P- point it's it's a little bit of this you know you hear I, that yeah applauding yeah yeah that's 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 what it is this episode's about sex people oh, and that's what point f is gotcha f stands for sex <laughs> Um, uh, my last note here, yeah. um, well, I got two, two more notes about my personal reflections. Jesus, One, you and these notes. No, they're very short. You're incorrigible with these notes. Uh, this episode made me miss karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> it's been about two years since I've done it. Okay. Uh, okay. I used I th- to be an avid karaoke. Was I there the last time you did karaoke? Were we at a... Were... Mm, no. No? Uh, I was not. Our, our previous, uh, guest on the show, Sam Wessel was. But, oh, um, right, right, right. Yes. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I, it's been a long time. Oh man, I if I, I if I liked karaoke, I would suggest that we do it. But I don't know. I can only I can only sing. I can only quote unquote sing "Short Skirt, Long Jacket" so many times before people start to ask me. Wait, Truman, I, I feel like I've I feel like you've you're only selecting songs based on the fact that you don't have to sing them. Uh, and then I just just right in this moment, right now, this is how spontaneous I am. Yeah, I'm gonna save my my third note for the the actual deep dive. Wow, I know. It's this kind of spontaneity that makes it really exciting. <laughs> this is why this is why I think we're gonna start doing the podcast five days a week. I like it. Um, yeah, you no, know, I, you I actually, yeah, you know, you love it. <laughs> that that movie, that movie, she's got to have it. Was originally called He's Got to Have, and it was about Landon and recording sessions for our podcast. <laughs> I'm weird today. That chicken, a little bit. that chicken sandwich made me weird. <laughs> 
Was it the chicken or the, the mayo on it? It was a mayonnaise sandwich with a light chicken garnish. <laughs> this is the thing about white people. You give us too much mayonnaise and we just get we get that mayo madness. <laughs> you get a little riled. Um, before we go into the deep dive, let's do a quick thank you to our Patreon overseers. Yes. Mr. John. Jahan. There you go. You're pronouncing it right now. Tom. Mm-hmm. Kirstie and Tara. Yes. I didn't do jokes on their names. No, you didn't. I feel we're, we're, we're trading off now, and I feel like they're, they're, they might ask for me back. I but. just feel like I need to show them. I, look, Truman for Christmas got me a uh, <laughs> a bust of Jean-Luc Picard, and it is sitting in front of me, staring me down, and I could tell by his, his gla- glare at me. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm not in the mood for your shenanigans, so yeah. you need to treat these people who pay you week after week with respect and dignity. And a cup of Earl Grey tea, hot. <laughs> I also I feel like with this bust of Jean Luc Picard, and guys, yeah. listen, maybe you're imagining it being really big, and it's not. I could have gotten the large one, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how large it would be, and I don't know. I didn't know how much space Landon had, but like it's you. It could fit in the palm of your hand, and you could do like alas, poor Yorick with it, which also yeah. Jean Luc. But which I mean, Patrick Stewart would probably appreciate being. A of course, of course. Uh, but it's also gold, which makes me instead of wanting to do a last poor York, um, I want to swap it out for a bag of sand and then run away from a big giant ball. That's dope. That's dope <laughs> as hell. And I and you guys are thinking, wait, a solid gold bust of Jean Luc Picard, and I say yes. Landon and I are that good of friends. <laughs> and we, Truman is rolling in that kind of dough. Well, not anymore. I'm actually living in a box on the street now. <laughs> but, but hey, you know, there's no better way to spend uh, eighty seven thousand dollars. All right, I don't have I don't have that much to spend. Who am I kidding? Uh, yeah, let us go into the crux of this episode. It's called the deep dive, and it goes a little something. Like that. We start at the cold open where uh, the grunt creep is studying with Tim. Yeah, yeah. Tim is, Tim is, uh, is uh, he's, he's trying to come up with ideas for this, uh, you know, for the, what they can, what tool time can do to try and attract Chicago audiences or impress Chicago audiences. And so he's kind of pacing back and forth, throwing out a million ideas. He's got his yellow legal pad. Yeah. And just free associating with himself. Yep. Off of Writing things. left-handed. Oh, yeah. I didn't even... I keep forgetting that he's a lefty. Uh, but yeah, and the grunt creep is there, too, holding a book, tottering back and forth, mm-hmm. doing his best. I like to think that Tim is so sleep-deprived in this moment that he's seeing the grunt creep. <laughs> there was a moment when he said he was working with somebody else, uh, and he said, I had to send him home, and he motioned in the way of the grunt creep who had just walked off screen, so it almost looked like he said, I had to send him home, and talking <laughs> about the grunt creep. Uh, grunt creep, it's it's too late, man. You got a wife and kids. You got to get home to, <laughs> get, get home to the creepettes. <laughs> Yet, I don't think he would say that to Al. No, oh, no, certainly not. Well, also because, at, well, A, because he doesn't respect Al, and B, yeah. because Al does not have kids or True. a wife. But he has a girlfriend. He does have a girlfriend who he has sex with once a week, as we yeah. find out. Uh, Jill comes down uh, to get him to go to bed because it's the middle of the night. We yeah. We didn't say that part. Um, and he's been working on these ideas for about three weeks now. Yeah, which is a long time to be brainstorming. Like, oh, yes. after three weeks is when you give up. Like, We're also talking about Tim here. I suppose I suppose so. It takes it takes Tim three weeks to to read you know the you know the blurb on the back of a magazine or something. Yeah. And when you see the ideas he comes up with, they are ideas they've already done. So uh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and also the ideas that they the, the ideas they eventually land on the good ideas that they eventually come up with are the sort of things that 
you would think they would have come up with on the first day. Like if you do a week, <laughs> I know, like right? it would have, if you work backwards from some rudimentary market research <laughs> about the people you're trying to pitch the show to, but I digress. It's yes. home improvement. Um, but yeah, so Jill comes down and she's sort of talking to Tim about how, you know, every, you know, he's been coming to bed so late every night for so long that they really have no time for each other. Yep. And she just brings up, when was the last time we made love? You know, can you remember the last time we made love? Also just like, I don't know. It makes me a little uncomfortable when people use that phrase. Like, I don't Make know. Make love? They just like, what do you prefer? Uh, if she had just <laughs> said, I mean, to be honest, if she had just said. Have sex? Well, I mean, I think have sex is just like, she, Tim, when was the last time we had sex? Like, that would be one thing. But also, if she had just, if she would used some euphemism for it. Mm. I remember there was a Simpsons episode that was basically about this same thing, where Marge refers to it as rocking the Casbah. <laughs> and... Which I watched when I was 10 years old, probably too young for that, and that's always now, whenever I hear the Clash song in my head, I always wind up thinking about The Simpsons fucking, which I <laughs> which I don't want, because I like the song a lot, and I also like The Simpsons, but not in that context. But, uh, I don't know, it was, but she, when was the last time we made love? And Tim says, Sunday, and she says, a month ago, and Tim goes, a month ago, Sunday. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, but so she's, Jill is kind of actively getting after yeah. him for how long it's been since they've had sex because she's so busy with school and he's so busy with this pitch yeah and, and good for her yeah good she 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 wants to fuck hard that's fine yeah, well i mean we don't she doesn't specify how she wants to fuck she just specifies <laughs> that she wants to fuck so hard she wants to fuck so hard she okay it is true she wants and i will say good for good for this show in being like hey this woman has it's normal and okay for a woman to have sexual desires, yes. which is not, I think, a thing that mainstream culture was talking about a lot at the time. Yeah, it's or a it's it, a good question. I, mean, I don't good. know. I think it was. I mean, at the same time, uh, Married with Children was just coming uh, to an end. Roseanne was on. I mean, this was is it, like the era of it, though. But my impression of Married with Children, a show I've seen two episodes of, is that is that Al always wants to fuck. And, other way around. Uh, other way around? Yeah, Peggy always wants to fuck, and Al never wants never to? wants to fuck her. He always wants to, to you know, he's always chasing the the blonde fantasy. He's oh. he's basically Chevy Chase in Vacation. <laughs> that in that one scene where he's in the pool. <laughs> oh, oh that in the, oh, the, 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 yeah, the car. Right. Okay, okay. Um, all right. Oh, okay, I I interpreted it differently. I guess the episode I saw was one where he and Peggy were trying to bone. Okay, but that, that's fair then. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong with this analysis. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Tim explains to her, you know, well, every marriage goes through these downtimes, and Jill says, well, I'm wondering when your downtime is going to come back up. And do, 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 do. The audience goes a little saucy for that one. The audience is like, oh, we're getting a <laughs> I mean, it was, episode. It was pretty, you know, I think that was probably a concession that she had to say make love mm. uh, for the censors in order to get that euphemism out. Pretty, imp- honestly, all impressive for a Disney-owned channel to get, to get all this. Yeah. Uh, is this going to be on Disney Plus? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I'm wondering uh, when your Disney's going to be plus, Tim. <laughs> um, but she brings up uh, reading an article that uh, some uh, couples, they make love up to five times a week. Which is disturbing to Tim and disturbing to me, <laughs> and I think to any person would be disturbing. I mean, that's just... Uh, I mean, maybe are these couples like sixteen? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if you've had a drought, I suppose then that sounds like 
oh man, really? So I mean, yeah, I, that, that's doable. I can do that. Okay, God bless, God bless. Put I mean, me into I, a five year relationship. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, if these couples are are two people who were saving it for marriage, and we're talking about <laughs> for, they, and they pulled these two Mormons five nights after yeah. their wedding. Okay, sure, fine. Um, I don't know, but, but yeah, so she's read this article most likely in Cosmopolitan and I think she's lending a little too much credence to it. Uh, but Tim's, Tim says, well, well, I mean, to her credit, she doesn't suggest, and she says as much later in the episode, I'm not suggesting that I want to have sex five times a week. It's just that some people do. Yeah. And it's much more than once a month. True. True. The, the math checks out. I will, I will give her that. (laughs) Uh, t- when when he w- but when Tim first hears this about people yeah. doing it five times a week, he says, "I'm surprised they even have energy for the survey." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to point out, we got a little Freudian glimpse into Tim's mind here. Yeah, uh, because when she mentions the article, she says up to five times a week, and Tim goes, "How do people have time for five nights a week?" She didn't say nights. Oh. Uh-huh, I see, I see. So Tim... Tim has a very set idea of uh, what sex should be and when and where. Now, Landon, I'm going to refute that. Okay. Immediate, with the very next thing, because Jill then relates to the last time. Like, Tim says, well, I've been trying to make it work, but you weren't ready. And and Tim says, or apparently, like, Jill explains that she apparently came to him the other morning and said, I've got three minutes, let's go. No, so, that was the other way around. Tim said that to her. T- yeah, okay, Tim said to her, but, like, in the morning, though. So you say Tim oh. only conceives of sex as a night thing. See, now I pictured it as uh, okay, fair, okay, you're right. I'll, I'll concede my point. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Damn but right when he will. said when that line came up, I did picture him saying it at like three in the morning after coming back from the bathroom. <laughs> that would be when Tim would do it. I will one hundred percent give you that. But why has he only got three minutes at three in the morning? What else is tired? <laughs> I'm and gonna... Tim doesn't have more than three minutes, period, yeah, as that's, the show has told us. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> but, but you know, she's complaining that he said, I've got three minutes, let's go. And Tim goes, well, how much time do you need? And Jill goes, well, some time to feel romantic and make an emotional connection. <laughs> and he says, can't you get that done before I get there? <laughs> and, again, I mean, this is like, I feel like, you know, this is funny. And, like, yeah, it's an assy thing to say. But for some, like, I don't, it doesn't upset me the way other Tim stuff in previous seasons did. Yeah. Because something about, I don't know, something about the way that it, it's just like. It's a different is, delivery. It's not yeah. as prickly. And you don't get the sense that there's, like, truth behind it. He's, yeah. he, there's a certain amount of, like, <clears throat> I'm going to say this because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is a ridiculous thing to say. Therefore, it's funny. His, his, perf- I like, I honestly think that Tim Allen's performance has gotten better. Like, he's always been good, but he's gotten He's figured out the character better. He's yeah. figured out the nuance of how I say things to not to come across as doofy and not mean. douchey. Do, doofy, not douchey. How did I not? <laughs> oh, God damn it! Okay, but off of that, yeah. Door slams. <laughs> we get a "Do Not Disturb" uh, on the doorknob yeah. transition into the theme song. Yes, where the kids are embryos, basically. <laughs> so we're talking about this, uh, folks. Write in. What do you think? I think they. I was saying that next season they have to give us a new theme yeah. credits because it is so noticeable now how young these kids are. Landon, yeah. I mean, you're... I'm hoping, I'm holding out for a mid-season changeover, but uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I can still remember when we were getting sick of the of the old theme song and how excited we were when they brought when in the Brad credits. was uh, staring, at, uh, staring at us through the <sighs> space and time. I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow, those were the days, dude. 
<laughs> okay, anyway. We go from the theme song into the kitchen where Brad, um, as seems to be his M.O. these days as a growing uh, growing boy, is always getting something out of the fridge. Yes. Um, and there was something, I don't know why, out of nowhere we get a slap, ba- a slap bass on the, the <laughs> yeah. soundtrack. And between that and the refrigerator, I just felt like I was in a Seinfeld yeah. episode. <laughs> we're, we're intercutting with stand-up of Randy up on stage going like, what's, what's the deal with, uh, with your brother drinking all the apple juice? <laughs> that does sound like a routine he would give at like the school talent show um, most likely yes but yeah he fill he f- fills a glass with apple juice yeah. emptying the jar uh and then puts the jar back in the fridge stone ass empty yep uh then cue randy and mark coming home mark uh starts up no no no. Mark, mark starts talking about uh a girl that's chasing after him to randy and i want to point something out that i noticed oh okay they walk in the door Mark is as tall, if not taller, yes. than Teasus at this point. He, he is growth spurting all over the place. He is, and if memory serves me, uh, I think he becomes the tallest cast member. Maybe, <laughs> maybe next to Earl Hinman. But he's bl- blasts. I the think ceiling. he does. I think he does. You just see his legs in the in the frame. <laughs> Everyone's running around beneath him, going, "Oh no, Markzilla, Markzilla!" <laughs> oh, um. We get to, uh, so he's complaining to, to Randy about the girl chasing after him, and then Brad's like, listen, you shouldn't be, uh, if you've got girl problems, you shouldn't be talking to Randy. Yeah, and, do I mean, do you want to finish the bitter? Well, I was leaving it open to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, he says, he simply says, if you've got girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so, ask someone who knows, and Mark goes, yeah. right, Wilson! And then he runs out back, and the best part is you hear that little sound design in the background going, Wilson! <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Randy opens the fridge, notices the empty uh, apple juice bottle, and just goes, "Really, Brad?" Uh, Brad's like, "What?" And then he puts the empty carton back in the fridge. <laughs> and as he as he does, he shuts the thing, and then Tim and Al come yes. in. Uh, I always love seeing Al at the Taylor house. I do too. It's just yeah. a little like it brings a different energy in. It's like the opposite of seeing one of your teachers at the supermarket. Like that's always kind of scary and weird, but <laughs> this is like good and refreshing. <laughs> it's like seeing a celebrity at the supermarket. Hey, there you go. Um, but yeah, they're both still they're both still like pitching ideas back and forth, uh, trying to come up with stuff that Chicago people would like. Yeah. <laughs> really racking their brains for like what people in this other city will like (laughs) you'd think the two people who've been in broadcasting for seven or eight years at this point would have some ideas about what you know you'd think so people want to see yeah the big 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 city folk i mean i have to say that you know they do live on well i don't know they kind of work they work downtown detroit yeah um but in the kind of suburbs they at least where I, the suburb I grew up in, in yeah. Michigan, there was a kind of fear of both Detroit and Chicago. For God's sake, uh, that was a that was a metropolis. That was a terrifying place for people to go. M- more so than Detroit. Like I totally get like this notion of people. I'm not saying Detroit. there's any rationality to it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get this notion of people in sub- white people in suburban Detroit being scared of inner city Detroit. Yeah. Like I'm familiar with that, maybe just because I know. Yeah. You and a bunch of other people you know from Michigan. But, like, that Chicago is even scarier than Detroit, which well, has kind of been in decline. For... Maybe maybe it's just my experience uh, yeah. of what I was raised in. But it was, uh, I think, probably a big component of it was, well, at least from Detroit, we can get back home and, and you know, 
uh, breathe easy. But in Chicago, you have all of Detroit with no uh, nothing familiar around you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if even if you can somehow escape from Chicago, then you're in Illinois, and then you've got <laughs> you've got Indiana between you and and safety. I know, and I've already escaped New York, and down the line, I'm going to escape L.A. <laughs> on a surfboard. Yeah. Oh, well, Steve Buscemi just drives along in that convertible and watches. <laughs> they should, um, you know, I feel like the the, ulti- the the third movie in that franchise to to capitalize on the growing popularity of this city should be Escape from Austin, <laughs> or, or or to capitalize on the on the uh, tax rebates, Escape from Atlanta, or Escape from Vancouver, BC. It was actually going to be Escape from Mars. Um, that uh, for some reason I can't remember the reason they couldn't do it but uh they, he he turned it into ghosts of mars instead okay so ghost of mars <laughs> not a great movie was supposed to be um a snake plissken movie uh, wow so but so i guess i have not seen ghosts of mars does someone escape from mars in that movie do you just like do they try to i don't remember the ending of it i mean i, I guess... just remember ice cube and some large alien ah. monster that was really buff he's <laughs> a buff ghost yeah I mean, well, you got lots of time when you're dead, am I right? <laughs> um, so anyway, they're kicking ideas back and forth. Yep. Uh, and uh, then Al... Also, another thing I like about Al coming home, he goes over to Brad and like is like, doing the fake uncle punches with Brad. <laughs> Brad reacts to this with like some happiness and some kind of like, oh, this guy. But yep. I, st- I still like the affection I, that the kids I completely have for agree. Al. Uh, but he suggests... He, he wants to hear Al's opinion... Brad. Brad's opinion. Yeah. Uh, but does that go in the jar? <laughs> no, that's all right. That was just a tongue flub. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is sex week here. It's been, it's been a month. I, I am I'm going to have some flubs. <laughs> but he, he says, you know, he asks Brad what he wants to see. Uh-huh. And Brad rather predictably says, <laughs> I'd like to see a salute to Heidi. Uh, and then, and then he just like, there's just sort of a long laugh. Yeah. Like, cause it's sex week. <laughs> and, then he goes off to his room yeah. to do a salute to and Heidi. That's <laughs> it, It's uh, all fitting, I suppose. Um, they, Tim and Al migrate over to the uh, the dining room table where... What, what? There's one thing. I'm sorry to keep jumping in. No, please. Off, but there's the conclu- this is, I think, maybe my favorite bit of the episode. Tim goes to the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He the, opens the... the fridge, finds the empty jar of apple juice, and goes, Kids! <laughs> and then he puts the empty jar back in it. <laughs> It was a good uh, rule of three joke. That was. Uh, this is the kind of shit that I've been like begging this show for for years. <laughs> Se- season five has finally started doing these sorts of like yeah. well put to, like the gag just sort of plays out over a scene. It just took half the show. Yeah, you know, over hey, there. it's fine. Hey, but look, it's it's not it's not the journey; it's the destination. <laughs> That's actually the opposite of what it is. The point we're here now, and thank yes, God, exactly. So glad we made it. Uh, so they head over to the dining room table to bandy more ideas about, and uh, Al suggests that um, he uh, was was he suggesting that he'll join him for the meeting, or that they're going to get together to do more ideas over the weekend. Uh, well, no, it's just like t- Tim is saying, like, we need to, like, let's, we, we gotta, we gotta work quick, because I need, we need to be done with this by 11 o'clock, I got, I got some work I gotta do Oh, upstairs. right, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then, uh, Al inevitably just kind of prods into that a little bit more, and, uh, Tim's like, oh, yeah, I've, you know, I got just something planned with Jill. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, what, like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you, you know, can't, can't you guess, Al? <laughs> <laughs> and Al takes a long time. Oh, marital relations. <laughs> I should also point out, yeah. th- like, 
Al is in the next, like Al is in this scene in the next scene, and then he's out for the rest yes, of the episode. You're right. He is on fire in this episode. He is, and I'm gonna save my note, my personal reflection note from earlier, um, but it plays into what you just said. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna it, save it more foreshadowing. Or uh, it's great. Okay, guys, stay tuned. <laughs> um, uh, more like cliff bangers in this episode. No, at not. Okay, edit that out, Truman. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they get to, they get to talking about um, they get to talking about the whole uh, issue with yeah. sex and everything. And Tim is kind of complaining about how much that's gonna how much work that is. Or yeah, like, and oh, he brings up the the article about five times a week and. Uh... <laughs> And I mean, do you want to say what Al says? Should I say what Al says? You you go ahead and say it. I I feel like I'm taking all the no, the best please. Lines. I don't. You know me. I don't. I'm not script man. Okay. Well, I just I also don't want to steal your thunder on this. Like part of part of loving someone is collaborating with them. You know. <laughs> I think we would have the best improv show. Yes. <laughs> you and I on stage just going. Oh, I got an idea. Is it okay if I take yeah. this idea first? <laughs> it's not yes and. It's may I. <laughs> It's yes, may I? Uh, so anyway, he says to him, uh, it, you know, he, he says, yeah, some people do it five nights a week. And Al goes, is that even legal? <laughs> <laughs> it would also be a great improv show because uh, we would keep uh, we, the whole show is just us asking permission to say something funny we saw on a TV show from the 90s. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but they start uh, going back and forth a little bit more, and uh, Jill comes down, unbeknownst to Tim, who um, starts to put his foot in his mouth a little bit. And there's a another kind of recurring, I don't even know how to describe this, um, but we've seen it a handful of times this season so far. This kind of wordplay where it's one word per person yeah. going back and forth to convey some sort of like, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that kind of happens here where t- uh, Jill comes down, Tim is talking. Yeah, uh, like complaining about Complaining, yeah. and Al's like, Tim? He goes, yeah, Al, what? No, Jill, yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're yeah. It was like they were, they were doing some version of that in like that ep- where they're all downstairs and it's like they're about to what you know one person is yelling at the other one about to swear yeah about and to swear yeah cuts them off with their name yeah uh, but uh, no a, a great a great moment of just kind of like deadpan <laughs> comedy <laughs> again and uh, yeah again just Richard Karn just slaying yeah. just absolutely yeah. slaying and so Jill gets a little upset that uh, Tim has kind of revealed this uh, that they're you know sexy times night mm-hmm. is about to happen um, and it is let slip about the you know five nights a week and jill gets defensive and says i didn't say i want to have five sex five times a week i said it would be nice to have it more than once a month <laughs> and al's just like well i think i should go <laughs> well but it, well he, like he first when when she first comes in he, he's he's like well i should leave but yeah. then when she says the thing about about once a month al is just standing there in the background grabbing his coat and just goes eileen and i are once a weekers and they both look at him and he goes and tonight's the night and he runs <laughs> It was a great, uh, yeah, it was a great moment in time <laughs> during this episode in the past. How, I'm, I'm, and I think we've talked about this before, but how did Richard Karn never get an Emmy nomination? Like, re- this is really top-notch stuff. Yeah. Like, I, well, I think that that was a, a point of contention for, I don't know if it was just this show or against family sitcoms in the 90s they rarely even beyond the show got nominated for things i guess that's true because i feel like probably all of the most uh, certainly the edgiest writing the most boundary pushing stuff was happening on shows about younger single people because also you can probably do more 
like a family sitcom is going to fall more into a formula. Yes, exactly. Th- th- and so it's harder to it's harder to to push a boundary. But I don't think it was until Everybody Loves Raymond that that started to change a bit. Yeah, yeah. Even Frasier didn't really start to get their major no- nominations till later in the run. Isn't that true? Uh, gosh, you know, I honestly, I, I, it's embarrassing to me to say that I don't actually know <laughs> when Frasier started getting the bulk of the love. One oh, thing, well. but to, to, but to tie it back to that thing, I will say that uh, I, I, I think. Uh, uh, um, uh, Hudsucker Sucker Proxy. Hud Sucker Proxy. Cheers. There, yeah, cheer, no, it's a cheer. It's a cheers. It's not a Hud Sucker <laughs> okay. thing. Uh, I, I <laughs> got know, my laundry list here. I think like Rhea Perlman. I think got nominated for for an Emmy for Cheers. Like every, I think every year that it was on, she mm-hmm. got nominated. And I'm certainly a great actress, deserving of a bunch of those nominations. But I look at I look at like Richard Carn's performance in like this episode. Like I think that Richard Carn is as good if not better than Rhea Perlman sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Now, and this is a dumb comparison because the shows were on at different times, but I'm just saying that, like, I find I find Al's character consistently more amusing than I found Carla on Cheers. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I feel, I don't know. I just would have liked to have seen... The biggest point that I'm trying to make, and this is a milestone for the show, is me saying a negative thing about Cheers and a positive thing about Home Improvement, <laughs> which shows how good the show has hey, gotten. Man, 2020 resolutions. Yeah. F- start liking the thing we're dedicating so much of our life to. Exactly. So, uh, okay, we get a uh, transition where this next scene slides into place, but this time it's trees. Yes. And they had dismantled the uh, the matte painting behind the tool time set, which was uh, a new a new transition for us. Yeah, it's it's like I think I've compared it in the past to the matte backdrop in White Christmas when the uh, when <laughs> yep. the doors open and the sleigh comes in at the end. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're, they're still at tool time trying to come up with ideas. Yes, uh, they are behind the scenes backstage, uh, and this is where Al is like, okay, Chicago, uh, what a lot of Chicago, Chicagans have? Deep dish pizza. No, that's not. <laughs> Tim just keeps throwing out cockroaches. Yeah. Um, and I think Al has some really good ideas. He's, like, actually taking into consideration, like, a lot of people are apartment dwellers. Yeah. Let's do some apartment stuff. And I'm like... I would watch that show. I would watch that show too. You could bring bring Tool Time to L.A. I'm I'm into it now. Yeah. How can I fix my apartment? Because well, he does say every apartment dweller has a fire escape. Maybe that's true in Chicago. I don't know. Certainly in Los Angeles, that's not true. No, no, we all die in fires. But here. his idea of okay, let's do a show on uh, fire escape guard fire escape gardening. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't have a fire escape, but I got a balcony. I'll do that. Yeah, that's a real no. Like th- these are, I think, the first good ideas that have ever happened for Tool Time <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I thought, like, and also, but I'm just looking at, like, why did it take them three weeks yes. to get here? Like, this, <laughs> this, this seems like the first idea that you, like, okay, Chicago, demographics of Chicago, like, let's get some data on this. Oh, lots of apartment dwellers. What can we do with that? That seems like something that happens in, like, 30 minutes into your first brainstorming session. <laughs> if that, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but while they're coming up with ideas, Bud uh, Bud approaches mm-hmm. and uh, does the patented Bud uh, handshake Bud. snub yeah. uh, to Al. And this is where I'm going to bring up my personal reflection. Okay. I don't particularly like where they're heading with that or what they've done with that new addition to the show in regards to Al. Mm-hmm. However, based on the number of things we've talked about so far of Richard Karn, I really like... Al's response to it, while he doesn't always have a spine, he's quick to please, um, they don't let him just become... They let the character become a beta, but they don't let the the actor... They still give the actor a lot to work with there. Yeah, yeah. 
And in fact, after uh, so Bud's there, he's like, do you have any ideas? And Tim pitches this uh, Firescape idea like it's his. Al actually sticks up for himself in the moment. And I'm like, hey, man, that's that's new. Yeah. Yeah. In the past, Al wouldn't have done that. I know. I, I, I agree. Like, I thought that was like, because when when Tim starts throwing those ideas out there, I'm like, oh, OK, this is what the episode's going to be. Tim being an asshole to, to Al and, yeah. and stealing from him. But yeah, no, it was really refreshing to see him say, I thought of it and stick up for it. Like, it shows growth of Al, I yeah, think. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it might be that he had sex last night and is just feeling extra <laughs> alpha. Like, that, that could be the that could be the secret. Extra alpha. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're saying he's a beta, but he's he's always an alpha. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, but Bud, you know, in this moment too, where he's trying to like hold Al down for some reason, and we we you know it was stated from the first appearance of Bud that he doesn't like Al, and I don't understand why. How, I don't, how is it possible yeah. to not like Al? And he's always trying to find a fault in Al, and I hate personality types like that. The fault in our Al. And the very first thing he says is, weren't you late today? And Al starts going into this whole spiel about uh, his mom breaking down on the highway and needing to, you know, help her. And uh, Tim's like, well, that's especially interesting considering your mom doesn't have a car. Um, I seem to remember an episode with a station wagon and Tim putting a pole through it that uh, contradicts Tim's statement here. But it's an old station wagon, and I think that Tim putting the pole through those windows totaled it because it's just very, like, it was it was not <laughs> worth right. the 250 bucks. Fair. Also, the much better, like, and again, I hate that this episode is so sexy, but it could, it like, I feel like the missed opportunity for a joke here is Al stammering about, like, oh, yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I, I um, overslept my <laughs> alarm. Uh, I had to wash all the whipped cream off of my uh, uh. <laughs> that's so not al though but i, I agree but what if it was what if, what was if a, it was i like that of, yeah sure i like the fantasy like that, that he's like that, that he's totally mild-mannered but then in the bedroom he's christian gray he's just like <laughs> he, yeah in that apartment. he's got plaid whips and chains <laughs> 50 shades of plaid <laughs> he just replaces all the tools in his tool belts with different toys <laughs> He's and somehow square dancing, square dance calling is part of it too. Like instead of signing a contract, he's like, "I'm gonna just look at this list of things I'm going to be calling out to a to a country western beat, and I want you to initial next to the ones that you'll do." Oh my goodness! Um, and neckties somehow. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Tim pitches the idea of the uh, fire escape uh, gardens to Bud. He loves it. Um, and that they're going to do this uh, meeting, and we get a slide transition uh, with the hotel room uh, coming together in front of us, and we are in the authentic Japanese room as Tim and Jill enter. Yes, and uh, okay, no, wait, I, did I miss a big plot point that uh, that that they have to move up the the meeting? Oh no, he he says, uh, um, yeah, you're right, I did miss that part. Okay, the, the plot point is that. Uh, they want to have this meeting in Chicago or somewhere, a, a restaurant or something. Well, it's Detroit, I think. Yeah. yeah, and Bud says, well, that's fine. You know, Tim explains, oh, we have this romantic weekend planned. That's fine. We'll bring it to you. We'll have it in the hotel bar, 5 p.m. You be there. Yeah, and uh, that's, yeah. And then then uh, cut to the hotel. Yeah, they, just, they we toss us into the next scene. <laughs> uh, Tim and Jill enter. Authentic Japanese room. Truman, take it away. Uh, authentic Japanese roomin. Um... I'm never eating that chicken sandwich again. It, it, uh, so, yeah, so they, they get in. I think that mayo made you whiter. I, I think it did. I'm, you know what, uh, if I, if I had, if I had not thrown away the last, uh, the last, like, eighth of it, I, I would have become Pete Buttigieg. 
so anyway, um, they get to the hotel. Yes. They're in this hotel room, does it, you know, with paper things and cl- you know sliding doors and yeah. all of that. Um, paper. Stationary? I, no, like paper walls and oh, stuff. Oh, windows. Dude. Yeah, yeah okay, come right. on. Yeah, okay. it's papery. Uh, you've, you've seen You Only Live Twice, where they're like, he's throwing dudes through <laughs> yes. paper walls. I've watched a lot of Akira Kurosawa and... Yeah, and you Ozu only live. And yeah, and you only live twice. The most Japanese movie ever, where Sean Connery <laughs> tapes up his eyes, and there's a volcano base. There you go. Um, so uh, yeah, they're they're in there, and uh, there's just some some tomfoolery about about Tim not getting Japanese architecture. Yeah, and uh, Jill is getting ready to draw a hot bath, but then um, Tim gets a phone call from downstairs, and it turns out that oh, this is Bud calling, and the guy that they're meeting, Mike, is his name, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike from Chicago. Mike from Chicago wants to meet early because he's got a romantic evening with his wife planned. And like you do when you've got a business meeting, you just, you know, schedule it two hours earlier or something. Yeah, like right. for Just with zero response. Everyone is expected to be there, to, <laughs> which is a normal thing to do. Uh, but yeah, so, so Bud says, Tim, you got to get down here right now for, the, for this meeting. And so Tim then commits the basically cardinal sin of the episode... Where rather than just explain to Jill what's... Well, he's already said, like, we need to be done by... Or, like, you know, we're going to frolic until 5 o'clock. And, and she says, why? And he says, oh, that's when all the restaurants open. And I have to go downstairs and check them out or something. I want to pick the best one. And yeah. And she goes, aw, yeah, and then yeah. kisses him. Could have just said, we'll just get our bone on until 5 o'clock. I'll run down... I'll shower <laughs> and run downstairs for a quick business meeting. Come back up and continue to bone. It's yeah. not that hard. Or it would be. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe I don't it know. wouldn't be. Who yeah, knows? It's been more than two minutes. <laughs> if if you have an elect- erection lasting more than two minutes, uh, <laughs> call your doctor. Uh, she also mentions, uh, you know, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to uh, get a massage together? And Tim's like, no, thank you. I don't like massages. Yeah. Which is only important to mention because it comes up in a few scenes here. Yes. Um, but yeah, so he he's about to sneak out to go get these... Uh, free kimonos yeah that's the excuse he like they're giving them away down they've got free kimonos for us downstairs doing air quotes so hard i'm gonna oh, fly away you, you can hear the wind the wind whipping past <laughs> the mic uh so yeah so she yeah says he's gonna go downstairs to get the free kimonos yeah. worst excuse ever though like like yeah i'm gonna well, do... and she calls it out in the moment why don't, why don't they just bring them up yeah and even even short of that like i'm just gonna run downstairs to get something a thing that obviously will take like five minutes, and I'm clearly going to be gone for much longer than yeah. that. Like he, sh- yeah, yeah. Well, Tim's never been uh, the brightest bulb in terms of coming up with excuses. So. The, yeah, none of this was a great idea. Uh, we get a Japanese fan transition to the restaurant. Yes, where uh, Tim is entering and bows heads or bows with the uh, the major D, or, or was it just someone exiting? I, I, think I, just, it. I think he just bumps into this person, this Japanese woman who's standing by the oh, door. Okay. But then they both bow to each other and smack heads. And I really loved it because just like a throwaway physical comedy <laughs> bit during the kind of establishing yeah. shot of this of this new set. And I, I I don't know. I really liked the way they just, you know, put that in there a little cl- like I think much funnier than Tim clonking his head on the pipe in the basement every time. <laughs> uh so now we are introduced. Uh, Bud is in the the bar restaurant with uh, with Mike mm-hmm. Mike McGowan, um, and we're gonna go into a little character actor corner. Oh, the best watch kind your, of corner. Watch your step. Make sure you don't uh, get hurt when I when I do this. I'm not gonna jump in and save that one. <laughs> you made jokes about me becoming whiter because of mayonnaise. So I'm gonna let you twist in the wind on that intro. <laughs> this gentleman is named Troy Evans. Did you recognize him? Well, I my note said this guy looks like a coen brothers character 
Interesting. I is wonder. He, uh, well, you fuck. Good question. Spoiler alert, by the way. Landon, Landon did watch Hudsucker Proxy over the holiday. I did, and he at our at my New Year's party, he showed me a picture that he took of the opening credits. Yeah, it was like his age. little gift to me. The it, big, yeah. the, but before like Paul, the words Paul Newman come yeah. up over. But uh, there's snow drifting down, and Carver will score is <laughs> is swelling, and then you know we're we're about to go to the first scene where we see the Wolverine bus pulling into New York. Anyway. Uh, but we're, we're talking about it, and apparently there's a bunch of home improvement character actors who show up yes. in Hudsucker Proxy, who I just stone cold didn't, I've never recognized in all my years <laughs> of loving this movie. Uh, he is not in Hudsucker Proxy, but he has acted with uh, the foreman of the mailroom in Hudsucker Proxy many Bobo, times. Bobo from Moonstruck, that yes. guy, yeah. yeah. It's a blue and They're They're easy to confuse, because they have a very similar look. Yeah. Um, Troy Evans... He he's uh, gone back since the beginning of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a bit of a he's a character actor. He has uh, let me see here, one hundred and sixty two credits. Jesus, he's a bit of a character actor. <laughs> a bit of a character actor. What's a lot of a character actor? <laughs> Ten million credits. Well, he is pigeonholed as uh, detective cop guard characters with a haircut like that. <laughs> Fair. And a, and a, I'm not saying this of all cops or even this actor, but good. with a stomach like that, it's very much you, the quintessential donut eating cop. You're, look. You're, you're not you're not the protagonist cop. You are one. You are like you are one of the cops who's being an asshole the whole time and gets shown up at the end. Should we count these? Let's count these. How many cops have you played? Let us count the ways. Uh, okay, in a um, show called Riptide, he played cop. Uh, in a TV movie called Obsessive Love, he played studio guard. Uh, on Cheers, <gasps> he played cop. Wait, does, does it have the name of the episode? That's three right now. The male goes to jail. Oh, shit. M-A-I-L? Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what season? Uh, it's from 85. 85? So oh, okay. okay. That, that, yeah, that's... Okay. Uh, that might be one that I... Okay, I need to go back and rewatch. Okay. <laughs> okay, three. Uh, on Falcon Crest, he played detective. Okay. Um... On uh, Starman, the TV series, he played Desk Sergeant. Five, okay. <laughs> Near Dark, the Catherine Bigelow uh, oh, yeah. movie. Uh, he played Plains Clothes Officer. Six. Uh, Facts of Life TV series, uh, Police Officer. Seven. <laughs> uh, Night Court, also starring Bud. Yeah. Uh, he was a fire captain. Does that count? Nah, yeah, sort of a cop who arrests fires. Sure, why not? <laughs> eight. We'll call it eight. First responders. <laughs> Movie called Shadows in the Storm. He played Detective Harris. Uh, horror Nine. film, which I know, uh, called Deadly Dreams. He played Sheriff. Ten. <laughs> he Halloween Five: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, uh, the one with the curse of uh, Cult of Thorn. He played Deputy Deputy Charlie. Eleven. Martians Go Home. Played cop. Twelve. Dallas. He played a warden. Thirteen. That okay. counts. Um, he was on Twin Peaks. I don't think that was a thing. Men at Work, the Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen movie. He played mm-hmm. Captain Leo Dalton. 14. <laughs> uh, China Beach TV series. He actually played a character named Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> 15, that's got to be a joke. That's got to be a bit, though. Uh, in Cuffs, the Christian Slater movie, Captain Marino. Uh, 16. The Lawnmower Man, Lieutenant Goodwin. 17. <laughs> We're only through the early 90s. Oh, my God. <laughs> you see how this goes. He was an Ace Ventura pet detective as the cop. As the pet detective. I'm skipping over a bunch yeah, yeah. now. Um, it's, it's some, I think if, he, if you do 50, if you play a cop 
if you play 50 different cops, <laughs> you are legally you get a pension. Cop. Well, you get a pension and you can arrest people. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, and this is his only appearance on Home Improvement. <laughs> It's too damn bad. In, in an episode called Chicago Hope. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair, but not playing a cop. Not playing you know, a cop. He was really branching out. He like he called all his family and friends. He's like, guys, guys, I'm not a cop this time. <laughs> he he comes he comes to he, he comes to set and he's all he's already for a scene. He's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait stop! And he like he like <coughs> takes the badge off of his thing. He takes the gun out from under his coat and hands it to a prop master. Okay, I'm ready to go. Okay. The question that everyone wants to know, the answer to that you will provide us yes is was he on er he was and he played a cop because cops show up at hospitals a lot that so 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 many cops are married to nurses i learned that on a cop show he appeared in 129 episodes of er as officer martin Oh, Truman, we broke Truman, guys. Did I win? <laughs> I've never seen that expression on his face. I won the I won the Olympics of this game we play. <laughs> 129 fucking episodes of ER. This dude is living large and laughing easy. Jesus! Wow, oh, I na- I nailed both of them. I got the I got the superfecta. Okay, that's that's amazing. Uh, he also played a general. He played airport security both in the same year. Ooh, range. He played a judge once in a short film. Every, every aspect of the criminal justice system, law uh, and order. He uh, uh, played Detective Johnson uh, most recently on Bosch. Oh, wow. So he's still doing it. That Titus Welliver. Yeah. And he even moved up to Congress in Veep for one episode. Two episodes. Really? Yep. He does, honestly, I've... he. This guy, look, folks, if, if you haven't seen the episode, but you know what Montana Senator John Tester looks like, this guy looks a little bit like Montana Senator John Tester. And on Veep, he played Montana Congressman. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, Montana only has one congressman because it has an at-large congressional district that spans the entire state, so it, it tracks. It tracks. That's amazing. Why do I have such a weird connection to this guy? Is he like... <laughs> is it like when E.T. and Elliot like are both seeing and feeling the same so, yes, things? Oh, yes, exactly. Wow. Remind me of this guy's name again. Who I have to straight- Troy Evans. Troy Evans. Yeah, I salute you, sir. You've you've really Troy Evans made yeah, my forget day. Forget Heidi. Truman wants to salute to Troy Evans. I do want to salute to Troy. Evans. I see Heidi all the time on this show. <laughs> Heidi is old news. I mean, I like I not no shame to Heidi, but this guy's great. I love him. Too yeah, bad he's only on one episode of this show. I agree, and uh, I think we just did give him a salute. We did just we just hey, you know what? Uh, Evans' lives matter. <laughs> what better salute to give to uh, to give someone than a entire character actor corner yes that took 20 minutes yes we well hey you know what we had to list all of his credits (laughs) it's fair um okay let's step back out into the main episode where we are meeting mike mccowan for the first time yes and uh he like all kind of manly men from chicago wants to open with a hug and tim does not want a hug but bud tells him yes you do because he wants to make this uh this thing work yep and you know just like anyone that wants to increase the stakes of um keeping a character a main character away from a situation that he needs to rectify is just bombastic and doesn't listen to a lot of stuff he just has a lot of ideas uh and gives tim no space to actually move forward with the business at hand which is making this deal yeah like before like they sit down in the bar and before they even do anything the first thing he suggests is that they all go and get a shiatsu massage yeah because that he i guess he does his best negotiating when he's getting when he's just you know when he's 
lying on his, lying flat on his stomach wearing nothing but a towel. And Tim says, I don't know where you keep your pen. <laughs> and, I, okay, so I'm going to point out one of my big pet peeves of uh, movies and television. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a nothing thing, but it's just one of those uh, one of those little checkboxes like people washing their face in the sink when they're stressed out. Yeah. Like, does that ever really happen? Yeah. It does. I do that. But because uh, you saw it in movies. <laughs> other people ask that question. Um, mine is people who leave unfinished, not even unfinished drinks, but like full drinks on the table. It's like, maybe it's being spoiled or not spoiled, being punished by living in LA, but like, that's like a nine to $12 drink. They just left on the table almost undrunk in a hotel bar. Yeah. No, no, this, this is okay. This is, I'm going to say two negative things about cheers. So many episodes of cheers, like Frazier walks in, he's like, ah, give me a, give me a scotch neat or something. And they pour him a thing of scotch. He takes like one sip. And then two minutes later, he's like, well, I got to leave. And he just leaves the whole (laughs) thing. Yeah, exactly. People will walk in, order a drink, not touch the drink and leave the bar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think Sam just pours it back in the bottle. I mean, it would make sense because it's it's just he's been pouring the same beer that Lilith takes one sip out of for like for like five years. She doesn't even know that beer isn't supposed to be flat. I thought that's what it tasted like. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think that Bud is being irresponsible. I'm starting to not like this Bud character. This Bud's not for you is what you're saying. <laughs> I am saying that. Uh, I think that he's making unreasonable requests of Tim. I think he is treating Al like a dick. I don't even see the the benefits of what he's bringing to the table because earlier this season, the deal was Tim saying, you get me only five things and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Now Tim has to be a component of selling that as well. Mm-hmm. So what is he actually doing? Well, I mean, I think it's that he makes the connection to the guy, and Tim has to help close the deal, but then if the deal gets closed, Tim gets more money. I, I mean, right. Bud brings connections to the table. Look, and I I agree with you about everything. My my feelings about this change a little at the end of the episode in a way I really liked. But no, I, I agree with you. Bud is being, like, like Bud is showy. Like, the whole reason we're at this hotel is because Tim is trying to have a romantic night yeah. with his wife, right. and I am pushing him to, you know, make this a two-hour-long meeting. Yeah, right. Um... Anyway, I think he's being unreasonable, but we get a steam transition into the massage parlor. Yes. Uh, where they're all dressing kimonos. Tim calls Jill to continue and perpetrate the lie um, about the kimono, line for the kimonos. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, he, and as he's doing this, there's some guy in the back getting a massage going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and Tim says, oh, it's just two guys fighting over the last couple kimonos. <laughs> uh, actually, was a very similar sound effect to when Tim is <laughs> experiencing indigestion, but and also a very similar sound effect when Ferris Bueller's day off when uh, when when Edie <laughs> yeah. McClurg is pretending to be Rudy on the oh, phone. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Rudy, <laughs> put that baby talk. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, watch that right now. I yes. love that movie. <laughs> Tim hangs up the phone uh, and turns around to find Wilson. In his contractual obligation. Yes, just, just you know, uh, they couldn't have had Mark talking to him about this girl who's been following yeah, around. Right. Also, they just tossed that one little bit out about Mark having a lady following him and then leave it for the rest of the They left the entire kids behind in this episode. Yeah, they do. They don't even appear. And they're obviously not with Wilson. Yeah. God, I don't know. Maybe they're with Al. Uh, but yeah, so, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so this is really not a Wilson... Like, this is one of those Wilson scenes where it's just like, they have to show Wilson, not like Wilson gives any meaningful yeah. advice. Right, his name is in the credits. Yeah, people are expecting to see him week after week. They're or expecting him to some give <laughs> some asinine advice to Tim. Not the, no, okay, actual advice that Tim asinines himself. Yes, 
when, when you are asinine, you make an ass out of I and nine other people. Um, all of them are our listeners. So, uh, but he talks to, he talks to Wilson, explains the situation about how he's lying to Jill to get to this business meeting. And Wilson is reminded of an old Japanese expression, which he says in Japanese. And Tim, Tim's reaction, like Tim reacts the way that I think you and I are starting to react to Wilson, where he just kind of stands there like... Okay, Wilson, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And uh, Wilson translates it as, liar, liar, kimono on fire. <laughs> Just... to, to Tim's credit, I was expecting some sort of uh, uh, insensitive Japanese comment there. Yeah. I, again, a really, really, like, did they get a letter or something? Maybe. From Japan? Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, Bud and Mike come out, and uh, Tim gets his uh, massage. Yeah, like they, you know, the guys say, "Oh, I like a deep tissue massage," and Tim goes, "Yeah, me too. Deep as can go and fast as you can get there." And the guys <laughs> are like, hey, "Tim, you know, it can be kind of painful if you haven't had one before." And he's like, "Ah, how hard get it? Out. Look how tiny she is." <laughs> it was the nineties. Five minutes later, I mean, I'm not even. I'm just like, I'm, I don't even think there's anything like problematic. I'm just like, well, they're set. Up, no, it was just a down. very sim- you know easy the, joke that has been made a million times yeah, since the nineties. Is that, all I'm saying. It's very no, it is that is very true. I also. I thought that the result, I mean, so Tim is then getting this shiatsu massage yeah, where the lady's later. on his back, yeah. and he's like, oh, ah, it's so painful for him. I, I, <laughs> Which there's some pleasure to be t- taken in that. Yeah, sure, I mean, and, and maybe by Tim as well. Yeah. Uh, Tooken, starring the incomparable Liam Neeson's. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought that the outcome of this one would be Tim would get back to the room, but he's in too much pain from the massage to be able to get his bone on. But oh, yeah, see, that would have been an interesting direction to take it. I don't even think it would necessarily be a better direction to take yeah. it. Like, I'm really happy with the direction this episode went. I yeah, just thought, agreed. I just, you know, if this were a choose your own adventure episode, I would have, I would have flipped in that direction. <laughs> uh, but while Tim is a broken man under this deep tissue massage, um, Bud's like, okay, so do we have a deal or not? And Mike's like, well, uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we seal a deal over some sake? This is just, this is just deal edging like it, it's like you know oh let's seal the deal in the bar ah oh, no let's do it in the there, massage room there could have been a plane trains and automobiles twist at the end spoiler alert this guy was also in plane trains and automobile as wait is he the cop who pulls them over no no he plays uh, uh i forgot the actual character name yeah. but it was uh uncredited as i think one of the guys in the car of the pickup truck Oh, that comes, you know, it's the guy and his wife, Dylan. Yeah, uh, yeah Dylan McDermott, I think, right? No, that's uh, <laughs> that's let's not get into the Dylan McDermott, oh. Dermot Mulrooney debate <laughs> and bring in this other Dylan guy. But um, let's, let's not burst into the Ellen Burstyn debate either. <laughs> uh, he played some uncredited uh, oh, character okay. In, okay. A, in a thing. But yeah. uh, I was there could have been a twist at the end of this episode where it turns out that he doesn't have a wife. There is yeah. no romantic evening and he's just trying to glean as much man time, guy time <laughs> as possible out of these. Uh, or, or the plot twist is that he's gay and just that he wanted to get them in towels and like have a big night out. You know, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that could be his. He's I, I mean, to not that there's anything wrong with him being gay, but there is oh. something in deceiving others to. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to do a business deal, and I'm taking you away from a romantic night with your <laughs> wife so I can try and seduce you. Yeah, right. Um, also, I wonder who paid for the massage. Probably Bud. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, they yes, they leave they leave the massage and then go back to the bar. Yeah, the bar slides into frame with a yeah. slide transition. 
Uh, and Tim is getting drinks and calls Jill on the phone one more time. She has, this is her third costume change. Yeah, <laughs> J- yeah, Jill is not, like, earlier she was, like, lying in a nightie on the floor reading a magazine. Almost a kimono. <laughs> Almost a kimono, like, made up and sexily lit, like, like some damn Jill moments here. <laughs> and now she's wearing, like, a, now she's wearing, like, a nice dress. It's like, so wait, Jill just laid around naked and then, it, and then now has put on a dress. She's ready for that 5 p.m. dinner that they're talking about. I suppose so, Which eating early. So early to eat. I, well, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take some time for to digest so you can then get back to the fucking. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, okay. Unless you have something light, like a soup. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, this is my, my bachelor lifestyle. I'm eating <laughs> dinner at 8 p.m. because I have nothing else to worry about the rest of the evening. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's, there's benefits to that, too. <laughs> Spanish stuff. Hey, look, the Spanish eat late, and I'm sure they have lots of sex. Uh, so... Anyway, so she's she's saying like where where are you? It's like oh yeah, or she's then at this point is saying like I called the front desk. They don't even give away kimonos. And he's saying like yeah, because there's that big fight over kimonos. They don't want to give them away anymore. <laughs> and cue the Sergeant Pepper to start playing. So now, yeah, these three Japanese businessmen are up on the karaoke stage and they are singing Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band <laughs> in thick Japanese accents, kind of kind of like in kind of like a Christmas story when at the end when they're at the Chinese restaurant and the guys are all trying to sing Christmas carols and not you know, and their accents are super thick. <laughs> and I thought this was really funny and I don't have any problem with it. It would be because it's it's actual like whether or not these guys are actually Japanese, actual Asian people and you know, okay, thick accents like that's true to like the joke the joke isn't like ha 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 their accents are funny it's like it's really funny to see three japanese businessmen singing a beatles song <laughs> and interrupting the scene yeah 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 it, yeah so there's just a lot of, and he's like motioning to them to stop singing and they finally do which is very nice of them to to like to respond respond to an audience member that way <laughs> well i want to take a second i'm going to do a group character actor corner okay. um not because just because they're all grouped together. You yeah. Know, we've done that in the past. So uh, we are going to look at Rodney Kajiyama, uh, Michael Yama, and Wesley, Wesley Leong. Good. Names. 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 How do they work? Uh, they are pretty quintessential. Uh, all right, let me say that. They are cornerstone Japanese character actors. Well, I'm putting Japanese in air quotes. Yes. Uh, character actors of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Uh, one of them, uh, Rodney Kejiyama, actually starred in a movie with Michael Keaton and George Wendt. Oh, my God. I was called thinking, Gung Ho. I was thinking of that. I've watched clips from Gung Ho and thought about I should rent this because it's got George. <laughs> it's one about the, the Japanese automakers yes. and the Detroit, yeah, the union yep. or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Detroit, another Detroit connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes back to Quantum Leap, Teen Wolf, uh, which also starred, starred Troy Evans. Okay. Uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, he's done quite a lot of stuff. Um, he died in 2018. Oh. So, pour one out. Do you think he was also on the next Karate Kid, Murder She Wrote, uh, Married with Children? This guy has some impressive credentials. Let me just say that uh, he was on something <laughs> called Laser Tag Academy, which I really want to see. <laughs> yeah, can we can we make a podcast about that? <laughs> I'm suddenly vastly more interested in that than I have been in anything. Was he on ER? Ye- no. You are correct. Oh, thank God. Uh, that was Raji. Raji. I can't. Okay. Rodney Kejiyama. Taraji P. Henson. <laughs> Going to Michael Yama. 
this is a, another prolific character actor. Uh, he goes back into the um, 70s. I'm trying to find the first one. Death Race 2000. Oh, fuck oh, yeah, no, Death I'm Race sorry. 2000. Death Ray 2000. Oh. It's a TV movie. Not nearly as good as Death Race 2000. Know, that movie's sick as hell. I agree. Uh, G.I. Joe, the real American hero. Right. He did a voice of uh, Torpedo. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He played Chinese co-pilot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm remembering that. <laughs> he uh, continued to do his torpedo voice on all of the G.I. Joe movies and TV shows. Wow. He was on Falcon's Crest. Uh, once he gets into the 80s, then he starts really taking off here. Um, it's Pat, the movie. Oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> uh, the the little-known uh, Baywatch spinoff, Baywatch Nights. <laughs> That's what we took our our, uh, our spinoff podcast name from. Uh, he was on Mad About You, The X-Files, Spin City, Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Oh, wow. Uh, really 90s-ing it up here. I know. Uh, God, he just has 133 credits, and he still has... He already has three credits for 2020. Jesus. Uh, so there you go. Was he on ER? Yes. He was... Oh on ER, God, as a epidemiologist, epidemiologist, epidemiologist. That wow, I'm on fire today with. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to jinx it. I got one more. Yeah. I got one more character. Wesley Leong yeah. is our last one. Uh, did shows like um, Hunter, which uh, uh, the last guy was also on. Uh, Seinfeld, Babylon Five. He has significantly less credits. Twenty two. Mm-hmm. With the last one being in 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other big things. He was on Married with Children in Living Color. Sweating bullets here trying to, trying to <laughs> piece this one together. <laughs> uh, King of Queens. Scrubs. Oh, man. Oh, God fucking damn it, The dude. very short-lived <sighs> The Tony Danza Show. He played Doctor. <laughs> the question for the 100 percent this is the chalupas fall from the ceiling <laughs> not the chalupas moment. oh god damn it i can't get skunked on the chalupas <laughs> was wesley leong was he on er my heart is telling me no he was on er god damn it as no. newsstand guy damn it <laughs> Truman has left the table. No chalupas. God. Uh, okay, you know what's wrong? My heart is wrong. I need to go to the emergency room. It's all that mayo you had on that sandwich. <laughs> Damn it. Ah, oh, God. Okay, yeah, I, I've got to cut out mayonnaise. That's my big problem. Got to go back to kimchi. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's uh, step out of that character. That was, that was too. In- that was the. That was the most intense character <laughs> that we've had in a while. I can't. I can't do more of these. Um, maybe that's also the mayonnaise clog in my heart. These three gentlemen are singing Sergeant Pepper in yeah. the background while Tim is on the phone with Jill. Uh, he hangs up. And uh, Mike makes Bud and Tim do karaoke. Yes. Well, they this is, they sit down. Like Tim finishes the phone call, they sit down and then they they just close the deal. Then finally, they're just like, "Yeah, well, I'm I'm ready to go. I'll put you on the air. You know, I'm I'm done. We're good." Yeah. And Tim is like, "Oh, that's great. That's awesome." And he's getting up to leave, and they're like, "No, no, no. We still got to do karaoke. <laughs> like that's part of it." Yeah. And then they sing another Beatles song. Yeah, they sing. You know, Tim's like, "I don't sing," and like, you know, "No, you have to, Tim." And they go up there, and yeah, they're singing. Do you want to know a secret? 
And at first, Tim doesn't want to do it, and then he's he's got an early Beatles cut. You got a late Beatles cut. Like Beatles, or or, uh, Sergeant Pepper's like middle late. Yeah, I mean, but like rights to Beatles songs. Yeah, seriously, are not known for being cheap. This might have been in that time when the Beatles uh, catalog went from the Beatles and Apple Music to Michael Jackson, maybe. Oh, so and Michael Jackson had some kind of deal with ABC or something. Perhaps I don't know. Great, awesome then. Well well played for, for making the most of it. Um but uh yeah, and, and this so yeah, but they sing uh they sing that they they're singing it and Tim yeah. just starts getting really into it. Yeah, he's like, very trepidatious at first and then he finally yeah secret um and i i believed it because that was the type of music that was playing on uh detroit radios at the time or at least the ones i listened to yeah or my parents forced me to listen to not forced me i enjoyed there was a uh, oldies 104.3 w-o-m-c oh that's I, I i wish i had something to go off of with that i i don't but <laughs> we got two two michigan listeners that hopefully remember yeah um i just i think i've said this before how did they not do eight days a week like look like the the here look the the lyrics the lyrics to eight days a week yeah oh i need your love babe guess you know it's true hope you need my love babe just like i need you whatever hold me love me hold me love me i ain't got nothing but eight days a week like it's so it so ties into what he and jill are trying to get oh, the, up to the sexy times yeah the sexy i times. forgot it's been so long that i forgot that's what sexy we, we times were are. we were in character we were in character actor corner that we forgot about <laughs> everything else in life that's yeah not even what i was referring to but um while they're doing karaoke jill walks in oh I got nice <laughs> solid bit. Uh, Jill comes in and catches them. Yes, and she's like, "What up, Tim?" She turns her cap around backwards. MC Scat Cat joins her. <laughs> don't know how I jumped to MC Scat Cat off of "What up, Tim?" Um, yeah, I don't either. But uh, they get off the stage, uh, and thus it's revealed. This was supposed to be a romantic weekend with my wife. Yes. And uh, you guys fucking interrupted it. I don't want this deal anymore. I'm out of tool time. Peace out, guys. Uh, Jill, you're out of school because we both have to get jobs. <laughs> yep, and they, and they go become fry cooks together. <laughs> uh, she, but in but in the real world, in here in reality, uh, J- Jill, uh, you know, Jill is mad at Tim and is saying, you know, I was trying to spend a romantic night with you and, and, and I've only seen you for like five minutes. And, but God bless, Bud comes up, you know, as Tim is like taking his lumps, Bud comes up behind and says, well, Jill, in Tim's defense, I pushed him to come down here. Yeah. And we really had to finish this deal. It was, re- it was, you know, really had to, you know, we had to finish this. He did it because I was making him. And then Mike's, Mike says, well, he was trying to spend a romantic night. With, I, I'm disappointed in you, Bud. Like the family, the relationship is the most important thing. You know, you've got to keep those, those fires burning at home. I mean, that's how I keep my fires burning five nights a week. <laughs> Tim delivers the best line of the episode, in my opinion. I he just so. kind of like gives him this half a second stare, the perfect amount of time, and just goes, "We read about you." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and from there, we we cut to uh, our singer, which is uh, the bar later. Truman, I saw visible vapors coming off of his body and out of his ears and nose and mouth and eyes and, and butt. <laughs> oh boy! Oh god! I gotta, I gotta steam clean the yeah, couch. Uh, yeah, I gotta steam clean your soul. Uh, <laughs> where Tim and Jill sing "I Got You, Babe" by Sonny and Cher. Now, but not I'm going to well, let you throw your opinions down, and then I will swat them away one by one. They don't sing it very well. Well, a this is clearly this isn't Tim and Jill singing. This is Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson 
singing like they, they were like hey let's get let's just get some footage of you guys singing karaoke because yeah. we got a real karaoke machine for the thing and they're they're singing it and it's just i mean tim allen can't sing and yes and that's very true patricia richardson bless her is making a go of it but just isn't now let me throw this out there because i know that she sings she's a great singer yeah i mean hell she's been on you know broadway doing musicals and stuff and she was just in cruel intentions yeah the musical uh the way and you know this too the way that films are usually made in tv they don't do playback at full volume Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so to find the key while trying to sing over it and find the tune and the timing and everything i would bet that that might make it difficult even for a talented singer to be able to find the tone while trying to harmonize with someone who is tone deaf and not trying and not trying <laughs> i i no i i'm not saying that patricia richardson is a bad singer i'm saying that in this moment she is singing badly and it's not her fault <laughs> i'm just saying it's not and also the it's the whole song it is this isn't a clip this is we bought the rights you are listening <laughs> to all of this 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 is the longest stinger in home improvement history yeah it's just them them like multiple shots crossfade shots of them singing and the bartender looking at them the three japanese businessmen standing looking at them yeah. like like tim interrupted our song but i guess we'll watch tim sing i i'm gonna say though I think it was an incredibly sweet moment. It was very I, sweet. I actually loved the scene. Uh, and I, there's a moment where Tim is trying to read the the lyrics, and it's totally not Tim Taylor. It's Tim Allen, and he flubs a line, and they laugh through it, and it just goes right into the chorus. And it's like a real moment. Yeah. And I don't know. I just the fact that Tim Taylor is acquiescing to something Jill wants to do, just to have a sweet little romantic thing, and that we're privy to that for once. I, I don't know. I really bought into it. I think it's a sweet moment. Like I think that I think that this episode really ends in a sweet way, both in in the way that Bud steps up for Tim mm. and pulls his chestnuts out of the open fire. <laughs> it was Christmas recently, and then all, uh, but and then also yeah. I mean it, the moment is sweet. It's not pleasant to listen to, but it's sweet. I, and I also like is then when it ends, they're both laughing in the way that I know that it's Patricia and Tim, not yeah. Tim and Jill is that Patricia Richardson is just laughing and she just like buries her face in his shoulder. Like just, you know, yeah. these are a couple of work colleagues slash friends who are, uh, singing. <laughs> yeah. We're singing and, and not great at it <laughs> or well, or in conditions where the good one of them can't be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, in the background, you did see the bartender, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to see that surrounding the bar was, um, a calendar in, <laughs> No, not a calendar. I don't think we actually got a shot of a calendar. Maybe the Ha-ha! kitchen. But uh, uh, instead of the when you armrest where you put your arms, it was actually uh, some train tracks, which has uh, the train. Oh, no. To JTT Junction. I mean, oh, Do-do-do! yes. Woo! Jump on board. <laughs> Runaway um, train never gonna stop. For those of you just tuning in, I don't know. Does that is that a thing? Do people tune in on the most recent episode without going back a few? If your New Year's resolution is, I'm going to pick an obscure podcast that's about a very niche <laughs> subject and start listening to it. Well, right away. The the alternate uh, the alternative is that they're starting in our pilot episode, which gives me the vapors. Don't don't do that. Listen, <laughs> if you're telling your friends about this podcast, have them start like season four. Don't have them start at the beginning. Like I mean, season three, if you want to, them to be with us, well, we experience the pits. Season two, if you want them to be there when we name the grunt creep. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for this season, what we're doing is a little thing called JTT Junction, where we are reading excerpts from the book 
Uh, totally JTT, exclamation point, by Michael and Johns. Yes. And uh, to remind you guys, last week, last week on JTT Junction, previously, <laughs> uh, we had talked about uh, JTT becoming a, uh, a print ad star. Yes. Can you become a star of print ads? I guess well, so. I mean, Jesus did, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence did that. Um, hmm. We are, uh, we, we ended on a cliffhanger saying that his world was getting busier by the nanosecond. Oh, right. That's the fast pace at which JTT lives his life. <laughs> so uh, here we go. We're going to jump right into what is making his life so much busier. Put on your goggles and your nose clip and your water wings. Because <laughs> here we go. Uh, <clears throat> you clear your throat right into the microphone. <laughs> you can edit that part out. It didn't take long for Jonathan to pr uh, progress. Progress. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> emphasis on the emphasis. Uh, progressed from standing still in silent advertisements to being animated and articulate on stage, unlike me. Uh, or <laughs> And then being animated into a movie called The Lion King. <laughs> Although that was a bit later, the transition is too good to pass up. You are ahead of this book. Jonathan first displayed his uh, natural acting ability in a local production of the play Scrooge oh. at the... Ch Chautauqua mm. Theater in Sacramento. Okay. I've I never claimed to be good at pronouncing pronunciating things is what I was going to say. And that, and that, one, and that one, they, they threw you a curveball with they that. They did. Uh, okay, so he, in a production of Scrooge in Sacramento, in a dual role, no less. Oh, wow. He played both parts of young Scrooge and Tiny Tim. Whoa. In a holiday production that received glowing reviews and standing ovations. You know all of those <laughs> glowing big ticket reviews of uh of the Sacramento theater scene. <laughs> yes. I would love to see, I would love to see the the like the harsh ascot wearing theater critic who's absolutely <laughs> destroying the community theater Christmas production of Scrooge. I'm just picturing the, the food critic from Ratatouille. <laughs> and to this lackluster production, I say bah humbug indeed. I dare say I give this production a lump of coal. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, he also developed an affinity for acting. The kind of acting he would do and everything it would lead to would make his life much more complicated, but he has never lost that love for the craft. Or that love and feeling. I don't feel like there's a lot of craft happening in stage productions of Scrooge and Sacramento in the early 90s. But wow. Who am I to say? Wow. Who are, am I to say? Are you the mean theater critic right now? I did I not am. feel that there was a lot of craft happening in this production of Scrooge. I would also not call it a standing ovation. It was one person getting up to go to the bathroom right at the right moment. When so many children are in the production, one cannot help but imagine that their parents will give a standing ovation no matter what the show is. Therefore, I do not think this is a relevant way to measure the quality of the oh, show. Oh, my goodness. In the early stages of it, <laughs> begin this is a this is a six thousand word review of the production, just <laughs> savaging every aspect. In the early stages of his career, Jonathan also began doing something that would ultimately lead to his big break. Voiceovers is the show business industry term for any type of narration, any situation where the actor's voice is heard, but he or she is not seen. Really really reaching for that word limit aren't we like let me explain what narrating 90 percent of this seems to be this is all leading to something every paragraph feels like it's ending with but this is going to lead into the thing well that's that's good writing though you got to keep them hanging right it's like cliffhangers you know okay yeah it's a theme of escalation uh skipping ahead jonathan modestly describes his speaking voice as just an ordinary kid's voice 
but anyone who has ever heard him <laughs> no when did he describe it as that? I don't know. When, when what what source are we pulling that for? <laughs> we do not have cited sources for this book. I, again, I'm I'm starting to believe this guy was just following him around, <laughs> hiding in the bushes with like a tape recorder. I think he was at the Sacramento's uh, stage production of Scrooge. How else would he know it got a standing ovation? Yeah, I, unless I, he read that six thousand word <laughs> review. <laughs> no, I think he he was there, and then he later killed the theater critic who was insufficiently deferential to <laughs> Teases's performance. Um. Uh, so just an ordinary kid's voice, but anyone who has ever heard him uh, knows just how distinct that voice is, as opposed to the high-pitched, squeaky tone of most young children. Oh, take that, young children. <laughs> Boom. I, mean, I agree with that. Roasted, down a peg. <laughs> Jonathan's is raspy and gravelly. It's an all-boy voice, curious, um, mischievous, uh, distinctly discernible. Um. <laughs> that recognizability made him perfect for voiceover work, and lots of it came his way. I can't really make jokes about that. That's just a little weird. A little creepy. A little right. Like, I never thought of his voice as, like, raspy and discernible. I think I used the term raspy once to describe it, uh, but not in, like, a Lauren Bacall, you know, put your lips together and blow sort of way. <laughs> I raspy and discernible sounds like the name of a character. It sounds like the name of one of the cats in Cats, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're almost done here. Uh, the first voiceover commercial he ever did was a true test of his talent. It was in Japanese. Oh, wow. Fitting for this episode. Yeah. To the animated actions of a character speaking in Japanese, Jonathan had to speak the words in English. So it <laughs> wasn't in Japanese. Uh, make it convincing and sound right. So so all just like parts of his job. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he ex- <laughs> While driving the car, he had to keep it on the road, not run over other people, <laughs> and keep his foot on the gas to keep the car from stopping. <laughs> He executed it perfectly. It was an experience for all that was soon to come. Good Lord, with your foreshadowing. Uh, It had been a year since he took that 13-week course. Jonathan was incredibly successful, and each step led to the next. Jesus. Whoa, man. Do you know how chronology works? Okay. This this book is edging. (laughs) It really is. Uh, Perhaps that next step might not have come so quickly if Jonathan and his mom hadn't attended a seminar given by a Hollywood talent manager. But they did. And that led (laughs) to other things. If that day didn't... (laughs) And if that day didn't change the course of Jonathan's life, it sure speeded it up. By the (sighs) nanosecond. (laughs) And that's where we're going to leave off till next week. So this this whole segment was just clarifying what they meant by speeding up by the nanosecond. Like this... This book is just building, like, there is so much anticipation. This is like, this entire book thus far is like everything in the song In the Air Tonight leading up to the drum fill. Like, I feel like him getting the job <laughs> yes. on Home Improvement is the is the drum part. Exactly. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, that has been Chapter 2, Part 5 of Totally JTT! Exclamation point. Let's learn about Teases' uh, life next week, shall we? I We shall. I hope this book never ends, though. <laughs> and I also hope this book never reaches its climax. I hope we just I hope we just build and build and build forever. Well, we are currently on page uh, uh, 13. Oh my fucking god, this <laughs> of, is... Of a- uh, 100-and-something, uh, I can't... The thumbnail's too small. Okay, so we're like... If if we're lucky, we are maybe ten percent of the way through. Uh, if, if we're lucky, if we're, if all of us are lucky, one hundred and fifty nine pages. Good God! So we're not ten percent of the way through. Oh, 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 oh! I'm just eating the chlorine now, pretending to be <laughs> pretending to be Vice Principal Rooney. I might have to get better. Uh, 
excerpting these things no, no, and no, cutting the, out more. No, the excerpts are great. I'm just shocked at how much book there is. Like if this is if they if they can get this granular on JTT being in catalogs and productions of yeah. a Christmas Carol or Scrooge or whatever. Well, you know, no one uh, ever said the Great American Novel had to be any more than 159 pages <laughs> or about a teen idol. You know, this is the, they say that every American has a novel in them. The, the what they don't say is that most for most Americans the novel is just this. It's just them <laughs> gushing about their their favorite person or more more accurately getting paid to gush about someone <laughs> um okay so before we head back to grunt Workland and let all of our listeners off to go about their days Be- because uh, you have not been doing other stuff while listening to this you are sitting by your radio <laughs> knees drawn up to your chest with your family Staring with rapt attention at the <laughs> dial, which has been turned to grunt work. We are getting back into the JTT Junction trolley. And before we hit back to grunt work studios, we are stopping at the grunt count. Now, this is the thing about the grunt count. Okay, give me the thing. I'm also going to guess before you give the number. You should guess first. Okay. I'm going to guess one. You guessed right. That's the thing. Though you guessed it's one with an asterisk, so you did. So I guess you guessed kind of right. Okay, you didn't guess the asterisks. When Tim, it's zero. But when Tim is talking on the phone with Jill, and uh, when he's talking on the phone with Jill, and she's and he says, uh, uh, like it, Jill says, like, oh, well, when you get up here, we won't need kimonos. Uh, Tim, Tim goes, Tim kind of like he goes like, or something like that. I don't know. It sounds like a grunt. I mean, it's not like a. Rah, rah, rah. It's know. like a. Oh. Well, I mean, there. Are, if we're, it's a little growling. I mean, you're the one that's setting the rules here, and I'm just supporting them. However, you know, if you're trying to make a language out of this, yeah, you can say words loudly, quietly. You can say it with a rasp. You can elongate your words. You can say them really short, really fast. So I'm just saying, with grunts, there are variations. I think that there are ways that we can count this. Yeah, I mostly just want my guess to be right because I don't want to experience that that shame that comes with guessing ER wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. <laughs> I want to spare you that too. I'm gonna say, I think it counts as a grunt. I th- I'm gonna count it as a grunt, and this goes in the records as a grunt. Folks, watch this episode. You know the scene. It's Tim Tim on the phone with Jill when he first is talking about getting the kimonos. Yes. Um, if you think that I'm wrong, write in. We want this count to be honest. Yeah, but there I, is a checks and balance system here. Yeah, yes, exactly. One that actually works. Yeah, well, no, no, it gets completely overrided <laughs> whenever I don't agree with it. But but as soon as as soon as uh, as soon as a Democrat is counting uh, grunts, then all of a sudden we have to abide by it very closely. Um, not racist at all. So uh, anyway, I think that it's I think that it's uh, one grunt. One grunt. Okay, great. Um, with yeah. an ad- I, I agree. Let's keep the asterisks there. Yeah. Okay. I'll put I'll put an asterisk in. Okay. Beep. That's the sound. That's my asterisk. <laughs> key. By the end of this uh, season, I'm gonna have more questions about how many asterisks we have than we do grunts because we don't have many grunts. We don't. We re- we really do not. I think. And uh, honestly, like this is this is a testament to just how. I talk about talk about a drought. This is a grunt drought. Like I could grunt five nights a week after this <laughs> season because there is not much of it. Uh, that is true. Um, now let's go into thanking our patrons before we get the hell out of here. Yeah, definitely. Well, like, so listen, guys, listen, we have a lot of fun here. We do? Well, no, we don't, but we pretend, (laughs) we pretend to have a friendship and we pretend to have a lot of fun. It's all for Uh, you. It's all. 
No, oh. not you. It's all for Damien. Oh yeah. Well, okay. That that's much better. <laughs> uh, but I want to want to thank our. But yeah, I want to get serious and thank our official grunt heads. Okay. Yeah, I want to thank Michael. Michael. Uh, yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, oh, what's wow about that? I don't know. Okay. So I'm just surprised that you're thanking Michael. I want I, I want to thank Michael. I want to thank Mason. I want to thank mm-hmm. TJ. Okay. Spencer. I want to pronounce Spencer too. Spencer. Is well. what he said about you? Yes, I know. I, look, I, I, you know, this is the thing. We're getting serious about this. Yeah. We can't leave our petty, our petty feelings. Uh, you know. Okay. All right. We can't let them affect what's going so on. So you're trying to to uh, extend an olive, olive branch. Yeah, I hate olives. Burying a hatchet <laughs> seems much more aggressive than passing an olive branch. I mean, well, but I, both... I'm just sensing some passive aggressiveness here. So I think there are ulterior motives to you thanking these people. I mean, it's. I guess it's. It's sort of a. Uh, it's. It's reciprocal because they. They give us money to do this. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, I also want to thank Cheyenne. Mm. I want to thank her so much. I'm going to pronounce her name right because I wrote it phonetically S H Y A N N E there, so I didn't get it wrong like anyone else. I want to thank Farah. I want to thank Manbach, and yeah. I want to thank our newest Grunthead, the newest member of the Grunthead family. Ding 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 ding. ding. That's the sound that... Am I right about that? No, I just got really... I got bored listening to you, so I've been playing with the trolley uh, bell. (laughs) I thought we... I thought... thought That has to go back into storage, man. They they need it back. Our newest grunt head, Amber. Amber! Amber! Thank you, Amber. Someone we know personally who is supporting our podcast. I think we know personally. Well, I hope hope it's that, Amber. It could be somebody else named Amber that uh, we haven't spoken to about it. Or it could be an element with a mosquito trapped inside it, which we can use to clone dinosaurs. (laughs) Or a 311 song. Also, also that. Can a song donate to a Patreon? I don't know. I mean, that's, made that's enough money. That's, that song is making money, more money than we make, honestly. Um, yeah, but but to to all of you official uh, Gruntheads whose names I have read so slowly that, that you may have, you know, that I've already forgotten the ones I said at the beginning, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for uh, your help and your patronage. Absolutely, because Grunt Work is made possible by people like you. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's show and want to help us create even better content, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over Reset on our Patreon. Yeah, because for as little as $1 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content like our weekly Gruntwork Nights episodes. Oh, God. That, that was, now, was that a grunt? That, that, that was absolutely a grunt. Okay. But you said you can't grunt while saying words. You Tim, broke your own rules. Tim can't grunt. Well, we're not counting words. your grunts. We're only counting Tim's grunts. But I'm the one who grunted, so we're not counting it. Exactly. If you decide to subscribe so at one of our higher tiers, you can also get access to our video feed, maybe, of Grunt Work Nights. We're talking about shifting some stuff around. Uh, some periodic gifts, a special video message from us, and you can do all of that over at Grunt Work. Nope. You can do that over at <laughs> Patreon.com slash GruntWorkPod. Professional podcasting for three years. It's <laughs> my first time ever doing this. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're so fresh. I know. Uh, consider leaving us a rating review over at Apple Podcasts uh, because it's the fastest, easiest, and most delicious way to support us. I love apples. <laughs> uh, really goes a long way to help others find the show. Why do I always lose it in the outro? Uh, so please take a moment to tell others why you love the show or hate the show. No, no, no. Look, by the algorithm, it still puts us up uh, and shows us. I mean, I would prefer them to give us a five star and tell us why they love us. But if, if you hate the show, give us a five star and then explain why you hate the show. No one reads anything anymore. Trust me, I'm a writer. I know. I'm acutely aware of how little people read. Stop by and say hi to us on Twitter and Instagram at GruntWorkPod or on our website uh, where you can find information on today's show. 
which is called www.gruntworkpodcast.com. The website, not the show. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, when did we go through a name change? Uh, while you're on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is a great way to be notified whenever we release a new episode, as well as get the grunt count hint, exclusive trivia, and maybe some other shenanigans that Truman and I are up to. Yep. Until next week, when we bring you another episode of this TV show we call Home Improvement. I've been Lana Solano. I've been Truman Caps, And remember, Paul McCartney died in 1967, and the Beatles replaced him with a lookalike, who coincidentally happened to be extremely talented and went on to have a super successful solo career as the frontman for Wings. Surprising a walrus can do that. Uh, well, do the tube, I guess. 